It's good to be here. I've been away. When I was away, I looked around and thought, oh, it's good to be here, which sounds like I didn't want to be where I was. And then when I come back here, I feel like, oh, it's good to be here, which also sounds like I didn't want to be where I was. Both are true. Uh, On Thursday, I flew back from visiting England, and as I left and said goodbye, I felt like I was saying goodbye and leaving home. I was sad. And then I arrived, and I felt like I had returned home. Uh, And it's both weird and wonderful. And I told a story a few months ago where somebody said to me, Adam, it's okay to have two homes. And for anyone that sometimes feels like you're somewhere else and that works, and then you're here and that works, uh, it's okay. And God's in it. And I want to look at this subject slightly, but it was good to be away. I was visiting family, and it was so nice to see family I've not seen for a long time. I took Eden and Esther with me, and it was fun. It was the first time I traveled with both of them. Uh, It had its moments, but it was good. It was fun to see family, and it was great to see friends. I saw friends that I've not seen for a long time, and friends that I've not seen for a short time. But it was strangely wonderful and easy to connect. Uh, I went fishing, because the lakes and rivers in England aren't frozen. And I came back to snow, and I was like, oh. Uh, It was good to be away and it's good to be back. I want to talk about what it means to sometimes find ourselves feeling disorientated, which in some ways the trip spurred some of this, and then the world that we live in spurs so much more of this. And what does God say about this? I want to look at this. So on a trip, I'll give you some Examples. I stayed at my parents' house and I walked down the hill to the playground with my children and told them as I was walking down the hill, hey girls, I learned to ride a bike on this hill. And they're looking at me like, really? Did bikes exist back then? (laughs) They did? Uh, Last Sunday morning, I spoke in uh, the church that that sent us, our, our, our old church, our home church, and it felt easy to be there. It felt like home, but at the same time, so much has changed, and the pandemic has changed what church looks like everywhere. We're included in that, and that's kind of wonderful, but yet disorientating. I visited my brother's grave, which is always disorientating, and the same week, I had a family dinner And my brother's wife was there and introduced me to her new man friend. And that was disorientating. And I struggled to put the pieces of a puzzle together. And I don't really like puzzles that much. Uh, I want life to move on and I want her to be happy. But there's a space around the table. And in my mind, my brother's meant to be sat in it. And that's disorientating. Um... Being very real here. I ate dinner with friends in London who I've not seen for years. And it was one of those strange scenarios. I'm on the train to London. It took about an hour. I'm thinking, I've not seen one of these people for quite a few years. I wonder if we'll still connect. Because sometimes life changes. And we sat down. And within a few minutes, it was as if no time had passed at all. It was great. But it was also kind of disorientating. And then... 
you look at the world that we live in at the moment, and it's disorientating. When you consider not just the world that we live in on the world stage, but the, the lives that we've lived the last few years, and how views have separated people, and how church has changed, and how people can see one situation or story or scenario and come to such different conclusions that lead to utter division. It feels like so much has been so disorientating. So it feels fitting to say, God, what do you say about this? How do we live in this? How do we navigate this? Uh, I don't know anyone that hasn't felt disorientated at some point in recent times. You don't need my stories to stir you because you no doubt have got plenty of your own where we think, how did we end up like this? And is this even the country that I thought it was? Is this the church I thought it was? Is this the world I thought it was? I have some good news, and it's that God wants to journey with us in this. Not just give... The occasional comment from the sideline, but actually journey with us. So that's what I want to look at today. That's where I've been. That's where I'm going to go. And I'm going to let the text speak to us. We're continuing this series where we're talking about what it means to be centered around Jesus, to be on target. And we're going to be looking at the book of Colossians, this short letter towards the end of the New Testament. I think it answers some of these questions because just exploring these analogies and ideas and personal experiences and world experiences, we're all in this. No one's excluded. We've all felt disorientated at times. So that's where we're going to go. And I'm going to come up with two ideas or two recommendations. This is going to be kind of practical. There's going to be some practical applications for you and me to, to do in this. This is not just a sermon idea. But there's a, what do we do? How do we respond to this? Uh, and I'm going to start with a simple one, and then with a second one, I'm going to unpack it more. The first idea in terms of what do we do if you feel at times disorientated? I've got this image we're going to put on the screen. I saw this this week, and I thought, oh, that's good. Almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. I read that, I was like, yes, I'm not particularly technical, but I have fixed many computers over my years by unplugging them, plugging it back in. Uh, I don't know about you, sometimes in this world of 24-hour news with a phone in my pocket that will tell me anything and everything, of which not all of it's accurate or true, but it still keeps coming at you. Sometimes the best thing to do when we feel disorientated is just to unplug, just to switch off, just to say, whoa, 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 just stop, just to calm. Or to use a Jesus rhythm, because this was not just an idea, this was a rhythm that he practiced, to withdraw to a quiet place, because we're surrounded by noisy places all the time. So, for those of you that like an application or an idea, because sometimes we just feel disorientated, sometimes it's good just to unplug, to withdraw to a quiet place. 
But there's another way, because we can't always do that. We can't do that every day. Jesus didn't withdraw to a quiet place and never come back. Some of us would like to live there and stay there, put our head in the sand, do this, never watch the news. That's not actually the prayer of Jesus. He didn't pray that he would take us out of the world, but that we would be in it. So how do we navigate? How do we live in it? How do we live well when there's so much disorientating us almost all the time? I'll use a story as an analogy. On Monday, I went to a family theme park with my daughters and their young cousins. And it was a quite an unusual day in that my sister's children had the day off school, but all the other schools were open, which means the kids were all in school, which means the theme park was empty, which is exciting for those of you that want to go on lots and lots of rides in one day. There was one ride that the girls... The young girls particularly enjoyed, but no one wanted to go on them it, with them because it had a tendency to make you feel sick. It's one of those rides where you sit in a seat, and it's on chains, and it swings round and round, and you go out, and you get a nice view. So I said, I will go on it with you, and I did. And remember, all the kids are in school. There's no queue. There's no line. No one's waiting. Can we stay on is the question, or again, again, and I said, yeah, okay, and we went round and round and round and round. And uh, the trip kind of aged me. When I went, I was one age. I had a birthday. I've come back. I'm older. I'm now of an age where the constant spinning rides again, again, and again kind of make me feel a little bit dizzy, a little bit sick, or to use this word, disorientated. But I remembered something that I learned years ago. If you focus on an object that isn't moving... It has this powerful, and someone's going to know the answer, the medical reason as to why it stabilizes us. So there's a building or something that I focused my eyes on, and I kept spinning round and round and round with the girls going, again, again, again. But as I'm keeping my focus on something, even though I'm still moving, I didn't get so dizzy. I didn't feel sick. I didn't feel disorientated because I orientated myself around something else. That's where we're going today. To orientate ourselves around Jesus who has the power to stabilize the turbulence has the track record to speak into the storm, has the ability to sleep while everyone else is convinced they're about to drown. How do we learn from him? And how do we do the things that he did? I want to tell you, the best way if you feel disorientated is to orientate yourself around Jesus. Now, I would like to say, if you do that, you will no longer feel ill and the world will calm down, and everything will come good. I'm not convinced that's going to happen. I think the ride's going to keep going round and round and round. Uh, but the difference is we're not going to be so dizzy, disorientated, hopeless, that we're just useless. So this passage speaks to this. How do we orientate ourselves around Jesus? Not just that sounds like a good idea, but how do we orientate ourselves around Jesus? Because it's likely that the ride's not going to stop. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians. We're going to the third chapter. And we're going to just stick in this one passage 
Sometimes we go to lots of different Bible passages, and that's good. We're going to just speak and camp out here, because I believe that this passage is full of some of the answers that we so need to hear. So, let me read this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. What you look at changes your gaze and the way you walk, the direction of travel and the peace that you have or you don't have. And this passage is beginning by saying, set your gaze on Jesus, on the things above. This is not saying put your head in the sand, but this is saying our hope is in him. Set your gaze there. Seek him intentionally. Sarah uh, reminded me in her study last year, that we seek Jesus' face, not just his presence. Sometimes in church, we use this word presence, which talks about almost like the sense that God's in the room. And that's not a bad thing. But in the first half of the Bible, the Hebrew Bible, there isn't a word for presence. It's face. So we seek his face. We sit, sense our direction, our hearts on the things above. That is where it begins. And it's good to be informed and do the other things, but we must be people with intentionality in seeking Him in our prayer time, in worship, in Scripture, in gathering together, in big groups, in small groups. We need to seek and set our gaze on Him. Otherwise, we're just going to be so disorientated. Continuing, the next... How do you do this? The third verse of this chapter. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. This passage is not talking about that moment when we take our last breath and this life ends and the next one begins. It's written in the present tense for this life. For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. The passage is painting the picture and telling the story of something called baptism. It's an event where people that have come to Jesus have recognized that we need Jesus. We've messed up. We've fallen short. We've invited him in. We have consciously made a decision, which means we probably were of an age of understanding to make that decision, where we said, I want my life to be in you. And there is this picture that this life ends and goes down in the water, and yet a new life emerges and comes forward. This is this simple but yet profound new beginning. It is a death and it is a new life. It is a cleansing and it is a restarting. Something that happens at baptism. If you haven't been baptized or, and I will say this, you were baptized at somebody else's decision and it wasn't your own and now you are at a point where you're saying, I need that for myself, then you need to be baptized. Speak to me and we will make it happen. 
easily and often. There is not a test that you must pass. There is not a church attendance level that you must attain to. It is coming to that idea that, wait a minute, I need that. Now, for some of us, we've already done that. It says you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. Let me give you a challenge. Did you die or did you keep some of the things the way they were because you liked them? This is quite challenging. The Christian faith isn't about retaining some elements and blending it with the Jesus bits that we like to film a better shape. It is about entirely leaving, dying, and then re-life, new life beginning. For some of us, we struggle with the disorientation aspect because we haven't truly died. Or some elements we've kept alive because we like them. I appreciate this is a challenge. It's meant to be. For you died. If you didn't fully die and say, God, I give you my all, that's what you've got to do. Otherwise, we just get... It's hard to orientate on Jesus because we've not fully died and we've kept other things going. So we're kind of looking in lots of different directions at the same time. Try that on the spinny ride and see how you get on. Moving on, verse 5. This is where it gets really practical. Verse 5. Put to death, again, powerful language, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming, You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Sometimes when people do what I do and speak, they look at Bible passages and go, I like that one, but we'll skip this one. This is one of those ones where some people go, we'll move around that one. Get back to the nice bits. It's in the text. I'm not going to dodge it. Some of us need to hear it. Most of us do. Look at the beginning. Put to death. Death, again, there is this sense of ending. Not sustaining, not partially kind of going, but turning the temperature down. No, 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 no. End it. Put it to death. Look at the application who it's for. It is for the hearer to act on the words that follow. It is not for the teacher to do it on your behalf. Only the hearer can do this. Nobody can do it for you. Put to death. Look at the word whatever. In the list that follows, there are a number of things that trip us up, or to use the word that I introduced at the beginning, that disorientate us or distract us from orientating ourselves around Jesus. But the word whatever is quite inclusive. If there are things that you do that disorientate you that didn't appear in this list, add them to your own list because they're valid. Whatever distracts us from orientating ourselves around Jesus, we need to put to death. We need to end. Some of the sins are mentioned. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry, which is choosing something else above God, making God less. Anger, 
rage, malice, slander, filthy language. We as the church have often kind of ranked sins with some that are really bad and others that, well, we kind of quite like that one. Greed's kind of fun. Who doesn't want a bigger house or more cars? They're all in the same grouping in this text. Some of them you'd be like, oh, that's terrible. I'd never do that. Some of them rumble around quietly inside of us. Some of us get angry way too easily or too quickly from here to there in no time at all. Or slander. Oh, my goodness me. In the world of online connectivity, has slander became easy and kind of fun. We've seen it in every office of society. It's here. And it's in a passage that begins, put to death these things because they're going to distract you and disorientate you from focusing on Jesus. And the application is to the hearer. This passage uses language that I often would not use in my casual conversations when I'm talking to people about Jesus. The wrath of God is coming. There was a time where in previous eras, certain people would speak and use this kind of language quite often. I want to recognize that it is in the text and it is valid, but I want to say this. The wrath of God is not that God is angry and violent and dislikes you. The wrath of God is when he looks at these situations and patterns and behaviors and activities that we so often find ourselves distracted by. He's angry at those things. The wrath of God is valid because these things cost us and these things have cost his church. They've cost his church from the focus and the adoration he deserves and they've cost his church from the effectiveness of his mission because we have been disorientated because we have participated in things that we just shouldn't be doing. And he's angry at those things because they've cost him and they've cost us. When I look at my children, if they were to do something that took them down a wrong way and they had terrible consequences, I would be, there would be the wrath of Adam that those things happened and it cost us. That's okay. We don't need to turn that element of God down. It's good because his heart is for us and it's good. So how do I bring this together? Yeah, we need to focus on Jesus. We need to orientate ourselves on Jesus. As the ride keeps spinning, if we don't, we're going to get sick. And some of us probably already are feeling quite sick already. The baptism. If you haven't been baptized or somebody else decided and it wasn't your decision, you need to be baptized. And for those of us that were baptized, that you died, if there are elements that didn't fully die, if there's things that you keep alive, that you blend in, you got to do something about that because you're not going to be able to fully orientate yourself around Jesus if you're distracted and disorientated by other things. And then this final challenge, which is a list which is descriptive but yet not exhaustive. Whatever distracts us, disorientates us, the hearer needs to do something about it. And it's as simple as this, saying, sorry, God, forgive me, a sinner with a catalog of sins, help. Holy Spirit, help me. 
I don't want to just say sorry for what I've done, but I want to say, Holy Spirit, help me to not do it again. Help me to truly live for you. Now, God knew that this isn't going to be easy. None of the things that have happened in the last few weeks or the last few years took God by surprise. None of the feelings that I had when I was away took God by surprise. Some of them took me by surprise. It's weird how things that shouldn't surprise us still have the power to surprise us or to disorientate us. And God in his mercy sent his son and said, look at him. Orientate yourself around him. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus said in Matthew, you're here of wars and rumors of wars, but take heart because Jesus has overcome it all. So may we, may we orientate ourselves around Jesus. May we truly die to the old things so that we could truly live for him. And may we recognize that there is no scale where the person's sin over there is worse than mine. We've all missed the mark. And in his grace and mercy, he offers us Jesus. Not just as a focus to help you not get sick when the world is crazy. But that we would be changed. I want to live that kind of life. I want that to be my experience. I want that to be the experience for us. The world's going to keep spinning. But I want us to be so focused on Jesus that when everything seems disorientated, we are orientated. Let's pray.